Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Knott, and joining me is my co-host, Justin Knott. Hey, everybody. And we were brainstorming together on what podcast we wanted to record next. And funny enough, we thought, why don't we do one about creating content and creating a content marketing strategy, right, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about what we're talking about today. So today is about how to create a healthcare content marketing strategy. So we're going to kind of help guide you through some of the things we do here at the agency and personally to help create our content marketing strategy for our clients and for ourselves. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I just think it's a really important topic because uh, this really can be a huge driver for new patients, for SEO, for thought leadership development for clients. And it really all kind of goes back to, to content. I'd say nine out of 10 times when a client really wants to know what they can do to grow their site and grow their organic search traffic. When we do an audit and we look at what their competitors are doing better than them, nine out of 10 times it comes down to content or lack thereof. So I think that this is just a really critical topic um, all around. Yeah. And we definitely have people who just understand the value of content creation, Justin, but maybe get a little bit stuck on, on just the overwhelming aspect of of creating it or putting together a strategy or just can't wrap their head around about getting started. So hopefully this will help. Yeah. So kind of getting started and with as much content as you create is I think the probably big question on a lot of providers and, and practices minds is, is kind of what type of content that they should be creating. There's a lot more than just blog posts out there. So what types of content do you think that they should be creating and how should they go about kind of deciding which one's right for them? Oh, I think we always use multiple verticals for content, but video is king. We we're huge fans of video for our clients, our physicians, our practices. Video is a great way to really make that connection and get that thought leadership, but also provide a lot of value and audiences are more likely to watch video. So video and blogging, great ways to create content organically and originally. What else would you add, Justin? Uh, I mean, I think what we're, I mean, the medium we're doing right now, I think podcasting has become very popular. It's an easy medium to leverage, especially for providers. And a lot of people are willing to listen to it, whether it's kind of clinic clinical focus. So for other colleagues or other practitioners or it's patient level focused and you're talking about ways to help patients get healthier, tell mm -hmm. them more about your subspecialty, those things. I think podcasting is another uh, great form, but I agree with you. I mean, I think there's like 30 or 40 different types of content that you can create out there uh, from quizzes, things like that. But yeah. I think for what we're talking about today, I think probably the three most important ones to kind of explore and look to get started on our video con website content, which is mainly your blog and potentially a podcast. Definitely. And, and content strategy is a huge part of my own personal marketing with our agency and our sister company, Physician Liaison University. Um, it's a huge strategy that we use to help us grow too, as well as our clients. And one of the questions that I get a lot, because I'm really pushing content out there, is how do I come up with this content? And this was something I wanted Justin to really speak on, because it all starts from somewhere. And you hear our doctors, our clients, and they say, okay, how? <laughs> I just don't know if I have enough to talk about. 
or I don't know if I can continue or consistently create content. So how do you choose your content? How do you know it's going to be successful? And we do choose our content. We plan this out and there is a method to the madness. And to be honest, it all starts with my partner here, Justin, on how I'm reaching my own personal audience. And of course, how our clients are reaching the audiences they're looking for. For sure. Uh, I think that there's definitely kind of a best of both worlds. Uh, it depends on the medium that you're talking to too, but whether it's video or it's blog content in this case, um, when it comes to creating content, we like to kind of reverse engineer from a topical standpoint. I think physicians would be surprised. And we've said this a lot between webinars and blog posts and videos that we've done is sitting down and thinking about the questions that your patients ask you on a day-to-day basis is a great way to kind of seed a, a, a set of three to six months of original ideas. But what we like to do is, is really, you need to take those ideas and you need to vet them from a, a search ranking standpoint, like really trying to match what people are asking you with what they're searching for online from a search intent standpoint. Yeah, and elaborate on that. Because I know like for me, I'll tell Justin, this is what my audience or my students are asking me. I'd love to do um, a video on this. And what Justin will say is like, that's great. This is a great idea. And I'll start the video and he's like, no, no, no. This is what we need to title it. This is what we need to address in it. And this is how it needs to lay out. It's not because he's saying he knows best in that, but like explain what you mean well, it's, it's, it's all predicated on search intent. And what we right. mean by search intent is thinking through, and there's a lot of research tools and I can talk about a, a few of them, but really thinking through when a patient sits down on their phone or on their desktop is what they're searching for to find the answers of the topics that you're talking about. And I don't think a lot of people take that into consideration is you may think that they're talking about it in this way, shape, or form. Exactly. Like knee osteoarthritis. Most people are just going to type in like knee arthritis. Like, and mm-hmm. it's, it's again, it's, it's all about phrasing is what in the, how, how well can you do at getting into the head of your patient and figuring out when they sit down and they start typing out search queries and asking questions to Google that they want responses for. And you want to present yourself as the thought leader in those search results. So it's kind of blending the both worlds is finding topics that patients are asking you about, but then using research tools to find out kind of where that comes to a point that you can present them something that answers the questions they're searching for. And probably some of the greatest tools is a keyword planner is a free tool that's part of Google ads. So if you're running any Google search ads, uh, you don't even have to be running ads to get access to the Google planner. You can just sign up for Google ads and go into the planner area. And what it's what's really cool about that is say, again, going back to like knee pain or say you're an orthopedic surgeon that wants to rank well for knee replacements, you're creating content on that, is you can literally go into like type in knee replacement, uh, focus in on the Orlando, Florida market, and it will tell you the search volume for knee replacement as well as all of the other content keywords related to knee replacement that you could think about doing topical content on. Yeah, and that's that's really, really important. I know with me when I started, even when I was doing physician liaison-based content for my course, Physician Liaison University, I would come to you and say, this is what they're asking. You're like, I think that's a great idea. You should do a video. And I would title it Physician Liaison Marketing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And you said, what they're looking for is how to grow your doctor referral. So even though I was thinking it was Physician Liaison, you know, whatever the topic was, what people were searching for was how to grow physician referrals. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we titled it. It's a cause and effect kind of thing is a lot of patients are, are searching for like 
like we have a really advanced technical surgeon that does like piriformis surgeries and stuff. Mm -hmm. And if people, if we can present that information to people, they're like, that's it. Like, that's what I need. That's going to solve my problem. But it starts at the top of the funnel. Like, (laughs) how do I fix my back pain? Like they're searching for that. So that from a positional standpoint is really, really what we want to be at and then where we want to be at, then we can start presenting them with the solution. So you kind of have to think of from a top line standpoint, they're trying to fix a problem, whether it's get healthier, solve a pain issue, whatever that may be. And that's really what they're focused on. And they may know less about what the solution set is and more of just looking for an answer to their problem, unaware that the solution set that you provide is the answer to that. So you kind of got to think about it a little bit outside of the box is if I'm sitting down on the computer and ultimately I need sinus surgery or a balloon sinus dilation, you're probably looking for like treating chronic sinus infections or treating chronic sinusitis. Like you're looking for the top line thing, not the solution. Yeah. And so to wrap that up, essentially you want to have a really great understanding of what your current patients are looking for or what your audience is looking for based on your experience, but then match that with the research. What is working what are they searching? And like Justin said, how are they communicating to get to that solution? Yeah, absolutely. And um, to take kind of one step all the way back, I think it's an important thing that they'll um, be interested in that we may have kind of glossed over really quick is what would you tell to people that are not sure about, should I be podcasting? Should I be doing video or should I be writing blogs? Like how should they kind of go about the process of choosing Because I think there's two things we've talked about a lot between what fits them best and what fits their end user as far as the goal of their content best. So I think maybe talk a little bit to the listener out there that's not sure if they should be blogging, they should be doing video, they should be doing podcasts. What's some advice you could give to them for how to make kind of pull the trigger, so to speak, and make a decision on which medium is right for them? Yeah, that's a great question. So Content doesn't mean you have to absolutely do every piece of content available. And that's really important too. Like he said, which one should I start with is a great question. The key to content being successful is consistency. And consistency is going to come down to what you're capable of doing on a regular basis to provide value for your audience. Podcasting is such a great way if you're ready to invest in those quick materials and you really think you can schedule time to record these podcasts. Same with video, but if you can't pick a platform that you can see yourself genuinely and consistently pouring into, then it's not the platform for you. If video is something that it becomes such a production or an expense or an investment that you're going to make three or four videos and then call it a day, though those videos may do well, they're not the content strategy we're actually talking about today. We're talking about building consistent content for your audience. And And there are different platforms for different audiences. And I personally think video is a great one. Podcasting is such a great one. But blogging too. I mean, people are searching online and reading, especially patients thirsty for answers. Yeah, 100%. I mean, blogging is the number one, probably the top line way to grow organic traffic on your website. For sure. I think to your point is kind of picking one and really focusing on that, knowing you can always expand out. Like I think, and it becomes overwhelming, but again, you really want to just focus on kind of consistency and and buy-in from yourself. So you ultimately get it from the end user, your patient that you're, you're trying to get to listen to this content and know that you will continue to evolve it. Like if you look at like this podcast that we're doing, for instance, on content marketing, we have a blog post on proven healthcare content marketing strategies with case studies in it. 
this podcast will go on that post and then I will create and you will create several videos around micro components of those topics. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that in another podcast. Kind of that's part of our Expanding. expansion and content development process from a distribution standpoint. But again, pick a medium that you're comfortable being consistent with and that fits your kind of lifestyle, so to speak, as far as from a scale perspective. And then you know that you can always continue to expand. And don't be a perfectionist. That's my other advice, especially for physicians. Yeah, that'll hold you up for sure. Um, It held me up even personally when we first began. I was like, we're going to need this production and this production. And it just, it's unrealistic if you need so many production factors to your content that it slows things down, holds things up, or becomes too much of an investment for you to continually do um, or even enjoy you know, try to enjoy the content you're creating and engaging with your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you brought up a good point because you kind of hinted at your content kind of evolution and your journey. And it's something that we t- we have talked about uh, internally as well as kind of in co- different content over time is, is why physicians need to make sure that their content is kind of really authentic and engaging. So I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on why and how they can go about kind of being authentic and creating things that really do engage patients that they're going to care about over the WebMDs of the world or something like that. Yeah, that's really important. So we're talking about finding topics, getting what our audience wants, but part of it too is how you're delivering that piece of content that's going to engage them or catch their eye. And that's kind of something that a lot of physicians, I know, just it goes right past them. You know, they've done the research. They know what their audience is searching for. So they put out a post out there or however they're delivering their content and they title it, you know, the basic title. And it says, does your knee hurt or does your back hurt or are you suffering from, you know, laryngopharyngeal reflux? And it those are great questions, but it's not necessarily an attention grabber. And when it comes to content, There's a way to structure content to be relatable, to have aha moments, and to create followers. And that's really where content can rise above your competition and position yourself as a more engaging thought leader. And I really, when I started my content journey, I'm not a writer and I'm not a creative writer, but I studied not only competitors in the space, But I studied just what do I like to watch? Who do I follow? How do they write their emails? How do they write their content? How are they talking? How are they engaging with me as the audience that becomes more, oh my God, I've totally been there. That's how I feel. Aha. Or even likable as opposed to, you know, that very traditional content standard of, is this happening to you question? Here are five ways to fix it. And you want to be more personable, I guess. And personal, don't you think, Justin? Yeah, I I completely agree. So my advice is, what do you like watching? Who do you like following? Even if it's not even related to your specialty, it can be someone that you listen to, a podcast you like, um, videos that you watch. How are they structuring their content, even on a spacing level, the sentences and verbiage they're using? It's kind of brings you back to grade school when you learn how to create those essays and they tell you, you know, you need a grabber sentence. It's so true. You really do need to be relatable, create aha moments. And that starts with the language and verbiage you use in your content to then deliver your value. And I think it personally, people like hearing personality in content. Yeah, I completely agree. 
And that leads kind of to the the next thing is is again we're we're kind of working through we've talked about how to establish which platforms are right for you, how to research and come up with topics, uh, well, why how to create authenticity. But as it leads us into uh, kind of a, a, a million dollar question of how long should that content? I was about to ask you that. Be? Actually, yeah. Well, I mean, whether it's blog posts, well, I can address blogs and you can address video. I know from a a search standpoint is. The average first search result is like 1,800 words. I think that that's a generalized statement across all industries. Okay. Uh, so to, the, to my point is the more competitive the industry, the longer it's going to need to be to rank. The thing with is for practices and physicians that are listening, I don't think it needs to be that in-depth. I okay. think a 1,000 words seems to be a pretty good blog post length average for performance because we're really majority focused on a major metropolitan or a city specific geographical level that we're trying to rank our knee replacements or our urological treatments or whatever it is that we're writing content for, whether it's a blog post or a treatment page or a condition page. That seems to be a really good number. It's a number we use internally for most of our content thresholds for for our clients really across the board is about a thousand words and that seems to be the key to breaking into that top three in the medical space for practices and hospitals like healthcare organizations we don't need to go all the way up to that 2000 limit say like even we do as an agency Mm -hmm. because we have so many other agencies in the space competing for those coveted keywords and willing to write two, three, four thousand word blog posts to win that battle. It's much more highly competitive and we don't have geographical constraints. Like trying to rank for medical search engine optimization as a keyword, (laughs) we're competing with the entire continental United States or the whole US Google.com in general search space. But when we're trying to rank for, uh, again, like hormone specialists in Minneapolis, writing a really thorough condition or treatment page or a really good blog post about that around a thousand words really should do it. Well, and I think you bring up a good point because I mean, is that part two, Justin, I mean, how many patients really read, you know, 3000 word blog posts on some oh, of for these sure. conditions, Again, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's definitely some pushback that we get from, from people is from a user experience, user interface perspective yeah. is keeping like, that's too many words on your right. condition or treatment page is a thousand words like you really want to have get straight to the point what well, do we what do about like three thousand to me is like no it's way too long crazy too long yeah i agree but even the thousand words is you do want to make sure that the pages are designed from a standpoint especially if they're conditioner mm-hmm. treatment pages in a user experience manner that breaks up that content so you've mm-hmm. got video on the page or you've got book appointment capabilities. You've got, from a flow perspective, it's just not like a content dump and they've got to wave through all of this content. But at the end of the day, ranking really highly for those things opens the door for so much other stuff as far as retargeting them with ads, getting their emails through downloadables or quizzes. Like there's so many other things you can do from a data collection standpoint once you've cached and cookied them on the website from a marketing standpoint, if you're going about it the right way. So again, pros and cons, I think that that length tends to be really good. And so kind of over to you, what do you think about from a video creation perspective? Oh, video to me is just, I want you guys, this is gonna sound so common sense, but to really think about the videos you watch 
I doubt it that there are five to 10 minute videos that you watch on a regular basis. Um, video, keep it short. That is my biggest advice to clients. I stop watching videos if it goes past two minutes. It's just, uh, it's really tough to sit there and become a thought leader and do consistent content and video marketing with videos that are hitting five, six, seven, eight, ten minutes. It's boring. <laughs> it's true. And even, you know, my own videos, once they start stretching past two minutes, I see less and less views. So try to keep your videos, you know, two minutes or under. Um, I got that advice from somebody in the marketing world. And I thought, genius. Yes, that's so true. I mean, even when you're watching funny YouTube videos, if someone's like, hey, you have to see this video and you see them pull it up and it's like six minutes, you're like, really? I want to watch that. So though our audience is watching video, Justin, they don't want to watch it for a very long time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think from that, we just kind of were talking about the length. And again, I'm kind of balancing out, like talking about blogs and you talking about video. But I think it's also important to remember, like I was just talking about from if you are writing a thousand word post, it can be a lot to kind of read through. And mm -hmm. so I think it's really important to kind of go a little bit more in depth about ideal structures of those pieces of content. And what I find, like how we write our blog post, if you see it, and it's pretty common in the industry, is you really want to make things very easy on the eyes and not chunk your content into five to seven word or seven sentence paragraphs. Oh, this is something you taught me. Yeah, you sure. really want to break. If you look like at our content, for instance, like on our blogs on our site, max, max, max our paragraphs are two sentences. But typically we're in, in doing an indent, like entering and leaving a space between every single sentence. And yes, it makes the page longer, but it makes it so much easier to scan through and to read. Other thing too, is you really want to, for two different reasons, you really want to use subheading titles a lot inside of your content, whether it's a blog or it's a condition or treatment. Again, for two reasons. One, most people nowadays, even that do like to consume blog content, do it in a 50% depth capacity, meaning that they are not going to read 100% of the words on the page. They're going to do a scan read. They're going to probably read the oh, first 100%. two to 400 <laughs> words, and then they're going right. to start scanning. So you want to make the content, even though it'll be longer, quickly digestible. So you want to have, like if it's 10 tips for this, you want to have all 10 of those tips sectioned with subheadings that are bold and easily read. So it's like 10 ways to stay hydrated that you didn't know. All 10 of those need to be able to quickly, I can get one, two, three, four, even if I don't want to read the internal meat of each of those sections. And number two reason to do that is you can designate those H2 or H3 tags, which for SEO carry- explain. I was going to say, you're yeah. going to have to explain that a little bit. It carries a lot of weight from search. We'll get in getting too far in the weeds because it's technical SEO stuff, is your H tags are other title tags structure on a page that Google can read and give weight to from what's important and what, what's more important on a page. Kind of like when you did an outline in middle school and you have like, like A and then little A and then Roman numeral one, you kind of are going in. That's how H tags work. You got your H1, which is kind of the name of your piece of content or your blog post. And then you have subheaders that would be H2s. And then say you have like like a sub bullet section that's listed underneath the header, that would be an H3. 
So it's kind of a descending. It's almost how Google creates an outline of your page of what's the most important point, what's the second most important, what's the third tertiary most important. So it gives you two benefits. People can easily scan and read your content if you break it up with sectional like questions or titles, or if it's 10 tips, maybe having the 10 tips in a table of contents plus each of the titles, and then it helps for SEO. Well, it's great too. It's helping, like you said, for SEO, it's easy to digest, easy for people to read. What other types of content structure do you recommend? Yeah, I think the other things, especially when we come to conditions and treatment pages, is having an FAQ section. I think really it really helps <laughs> for, again, going back to what I just talked about. It helps add more content expertise and more value to the patient that's reading about it. Like say it's um, back surgery or it's say knee replacement. You can, again, going back to that, uh, you could have... How long does it take to recover after a knee replacement? When can I start walking after a knee replacement? How long does the surgery take? All those questions are really important things that patients are asking. So it's going to allow you to make the page longer without really making it look too daunting. And on top of that, it really strengthens, again, the SEO of that page because you're adding what's called LSI keywords and long tail search keywords to that page too. So you're just, again, reiterating the thoroughness of your knee replacement page on your website because you got, you have information on uh, the, what a knee replacement is, when you should get a knee replacement, and then you're answering all of these kind of surgery and FAQ related questions too. So again, it just goes back to thoroughness. And FAQ adds a lot of value for your audience. So a big thing with content that I recommend if we're talking about structuring content, I feel like we've been pretty successful for our clients and for ourselves when we create content, is it's nothing if it's not value. So avoid bubblegum and fluffy content and repetitive content. FAQs and tips, these types of content need to be jam-packed with value. So if it's giving away the secret sauce, if it's giving all your expertise, leave them feeling that there's a new nugget discovered in this conversation. So when you're doing these FAQs, Make sure you're really answering some of these questions or getting really elaborate with it. And sometimes it can create way to filter who really is the right patient for you. FAQs can also save you some time and just dealing with the wrong leads. Yeah, I completely agree for sure. And then we got one other topic that we really want to discuss today. And that's really once you've gotten all these things we've talked about, you've got your strategy developed, you've figured out which channels you're going to go on, your types of content, how you're going to structure them, and you then get really consistent about it. And again, we're going to elaborate a little bit more in another episode about the distribution process that we go through and we use for our clients. But there's kind of one other piece that falls under the content strategy, but it's really what we call kind of a next level or advanced. And that's the guest opportunities that oh, are yeah. out there. And those, again, powerful for backlinks for SEO, like we've been talking about, but even more so for gaining authority and thought leadership in your space, because the more you're seen on other people's websites and other people's podcasts, the more you're going to be trusted by the people that are finding you online. And it's great for collaboration for my physicians out there, my liaisons listening as well and building referral relationships. Not only if you're able to provide that type of collaboration with another specialist or a colleague, it's a great way to work together. Other physicians like to be featured as well. We always yep. have really good luck. It was a little tip, physician liaison marketing tip here that I would do sometimes is if I had difficulty and I really wanted to work with this practice and we had a really good content strategy outlet, it's a great way to offer 
hey, you know, we'd love for you to come on the podcast to talk about X, Y, and Z in your specialty. And then you're all of a sudden through the doors and in front of that physician. And now you two are collaborating and building a relationship. So. Yeah, 100%. And probably the two biggest, and it's two of the things we've talked about a lot today, but from a guest spots perspective is guest podcasts and guest blogging are probably the two biggest things. So contributing a, a blog post on another website, say like medical economics or dermatology today, like those kind of uh, websites is contributing to those or going on somebody else's podcast. Another really great tool, it's something that we use. Now you do to be able to get access to it. You have to be um, alexa.com, which is owned by Amazon. If you go on that website, you can actually type in your URL and find out where you rank in the United States in terms of your website. And that's predicated on your traffic, your keywords, all of that. But you have to be in what's considered the top 1 million sites in the United States. So the kind of the top 1%. But if you do qualify for that, which there's probably a lot of listeners out there who may be surprised that they do, you can get access to what's called Haro to submit. But on the other end, as a provider trying to land guest posts, you can submit anytime that you want to as a guest. Which you don't have to be in the... Which, which you don't you have, don't have to, be to be in the top, top of a million. million. This is on the other side. If you want to use Haro from like getting people to submit like we do, but on the other side, as a physician listening, you can submit query responses for Haro. And all you need to do is you go to, it's called help a reporter out is what it stands for. If you type that into Google, help a reporter out, you can sign up for alerts and you can get specifically and they the always healthcare. have physicians. Yeah, you can get healthcare specific alerts and always, almost every single day, they send out three a day. They send it out, I think at 5 a.m., noon and 5 p.m. every day. And what it is, is there's reporters all over the country that are looking for uh, resources to cite in their articles. So say they're writing about like 10 tips for moms who just gave birth. And so they're putting that query out for OBGYNs all over the country to submit their top tip. And generally it comes with constraints like a hundred words max. So you need to make sure you follow directions, but all you got to do is type like a hundred words really quick of your best tip or topic and submit it. And if they pick that up and they add it into the article, you're going to get featured and you're going to get a backlink. And a lot of those posts are coming from like Huffington Post, what to expect, mm -hmm. like a really, really big publications use this day in and day out. So I'd say people out there, the physicians out there are landing these big spots. A lot of them are leveraging something like Haro. Oh, definitely. Well, that's really good advice. Yeah, I agree. And so, yeah, I mean, kind of as we wrap it up, you have any more thoughts, but I think, I mean, today we've really kind of laid out the strategy of kind of how you figure out where you need to be, how you get your topics going, how you structure them and how to even start landing some yeah, guest spots. I hope this was really helpful. My very last thing I want to add is that imposter syndrome is real. And if any of you are familiar with that, that is, am I good enough? Will people listen to me? Can I do this? The self-doubt question comes with so many content creators. And I cannot tell you, I've experienced it. I still experience it. Every content creator feels that at some point. When it comes to creating content, you've just got to jump in. You're the specialist. You're the expert. Have confidence in that. So it's all about getting started. And if you have some of that crippling self-doubt, just know you're not alone. And I swear to you, everyone feels the same. And a lot of people get intimidated by video and podcasting and blogging. Don't. 
You know this topic better than anyone. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.